Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. You're listening to another great episode of Family Business Radio. I am your host, Anthony Chen. Today we have four great businesses uh, to introduce and interview today. Leading us off, we have Elizabeth and Stephen Lewis at Stephen Lewis Attorneys at Law. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So kind of share with us uh, with a little story of what got you into law and why both real estate and uh, estate planning. Well, I, I guess I'll start. Um, so when you go to law school, okay, first of all, everyone always wonders why you go to law school. We don't know. <laughs> we have no idea why. Um <laughs> It's typically because you think you want to be this great litigator, you know, someone who is always in court and very you know, strong. And, um, but that's usually not what you end up getting when you come out of law school. Um, so Steve and I both came out. I was a uh, real estate attorney from the get-go. Steve was actually a litigator and um, more, you know, business, that kind of thing. But we were getting married. And um, so after law school, we both kind of – did our own thing for a little while. And in 2004, we decided to open up our law firm. Mm-hmm. And we did that. And both of us started real estate. Yeah, coming out of law school, you usually work <clears throat> for someone you don't usually put your, they call it your shingle, yeah. out and you know work from your own. So like Elizabeth said, she went to a real estate practice right off the bat. I went to a um, general practice firm, various general practice firms. And for a young associate attorney, that means you take on every case that the partners want to earn a fee on, but they don't want to do the work on. So I was doing fam, family law, custody law, criminal uh, appeals, brief writing, everything. So I got a taste of everything, learned what I didn't like about practicing law, and saw what Elizabeth was doing in her practice. And so I started inching my way that way. He mm-hmm. thought real estate would be more fun. It is. <laughs> so, so were you telling me that these movies and shows of attorneys shouting around the courtroom is, is not real? The judge might shout at you, but not the attorneys. Oh. So, yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, yeah, it's, it's completely different than what you expect. And I don't think young people going into law school realize how different it is from television. So, I mean, the one thing I would always advise kids going in is, you know, try to get an internship before you even think about going to law school. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to attorneys. And I have talked to so many kids um, since I've become an attorney. I do some work with our high school and just kind of telling them what it really is, you know, so they're not blindsided. Um, but I mean, I really enjoy what we do, um, the real estate side of it. So I've done it for 23 years mm-hmm. and Steve's done it for almost that long. And, um, you know, we really, it, it's something that we both really enjoy because we like helping people, you know, buy, sell homes, that kind of thing. And that's also the same thing with the family law. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy helping people get ready for what I call the next step, which is literally the next step in your journey. Um, when you pass, a lot of people don't realize how much they don't get done for their families, right? There are so many things that still need to be done for your family even though you're not there anymore. So you don't want to leave the mess behind. And so that's partly why I started with family law as well, because well, estate, planning. estate planning law, excuse me, I keep saying family law, estate planning, because it just helps with you know, the families and after. 
mm. day after. Thank you, Steve. So was this kind of a, a natural transition when you were initially very focused in real estate and then you saw there was kind of a need in addition? Yes, I think so. Um, what do you think, Steve? Well, a lot of times as closing attorneys are the first contact a lot of people have with an attorney if they've never been in legal trouble or they've never been sued by anyone. So the first time they come across an attorney is at the closing table. And so once the closing part is done, people have lots of questions, um, especially a lot of times we're dealing with first-time home buyers. So they have questions about, well, what will happen to my property when I pass away? What about my kids and, and things like that? So it's, it's sort of, they are, you know, not necessarily linked, but they kind of tie together pretty seamlessly when you're dealing with someone when they're buying their house for the first time or if they're uh, in later stages of their life where they're downsizing, they're selling the family home, then they're starting to think about what am I going to do for my kids there. So it's not so much they're tied together as there's a real transition from one area of the law to another where, where the people you're helping can be on both sides of that. So can you kind of share with us, uh, for those who are kind of listening in for the first time, say, oh, I thought an attorney is just either for lawsuits or just getting a real estate transaction done. Now you're kind of weaving in under the estate planning side of things. Can you share with us those who are, haven't really taken that path yet, why it's important to have an estate plan, particularly for those who are looking to start a family or already have a family? Well, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is here in Georgia, if you have children and something happens to both you and your spouse, if you do not have a guardian assigned to those children, a legal guardian for them, like in your will, the state gets to choose who the guardian is. And it might not necessarily be who you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So you can set that up in your will with the guardianship. And again, it gives you that peace, knowing that the people you actually want raising your children will raise your children. Mm-hmm. Which then kind of leads to the next question is, when going through the estate planning process for those who are just going to, oh, maybe just a will will be enough. But I imagine there's a little bit more, more moving pieces and puzzles that what other documents should someone that's kind of going down this journey for the first time they should consider to be included in their estate plan? Well, besides the will, you want to do your, um, your durable power of attorney, um, just in case you become incapacitated. Um, you have someone there who can you know, make the financial decisions for you. That's the financial. And then you also have your advanced directives, which is the medical. So if you are unable to make those medical decisions for yourself, you have someone that you can trust. And it also gives them the direction. Like for instance, the do not resuscitate, that sort of thing. It's in there. So your wishes are respected in that case. And also there's the HIPAA release, which is the um, release for the medical records. You need all of those together. So for those who are kind of listening in, they're like, oh, well, I go to the doctor's office, they maybe sign all this stuff in the, in the HIPAA release. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that work? For that doctor's office. Mm-hmm. But that's it. The mm-hmm. general HIPAA release you use with your um, power of attorney and your advanced directives, it all goes together and it's for any. It's your general release for that person. And it's usually the, uh, your attorney, in fact, is also on your HIPAA release. Mm-hmm. So it's the same person. And you mentioned the term a durable power of attorney for those who are kind of not in the know legal wise. Like, what does that actually mean and when does it actually take effect? Well, if you become incapacitated, so for instance, um, if you are diagnosed with dementia, that's a, a really good example. When someone has dementia, they are not legally capable of making business decisions, obviously. Mm-hmm. So with that durable power of attorney, 
the attorney, in fact, is then able to take care of their affairs. So it's just incapacitation. Otherwise, if you don't have these documents in place, then you have to go through the court system. So you'd have to go to the probate court and have a guardian for your person appointed for you. That's going to take several months or more just in filing the paperwork, serving, publishing notices, having hearings, and much more costly to do it that way than if you meet with an attorney. Come up with a, a your primary person and a couple of alternates. That way, if you're in, you know, heaven forbid, a terrible car accident where you're, mm-hmm. you know, in a coma, you know, these are the, the kind of rare but do happen every day circumstances where someone would need to be appointed to make decisions on your behalf. Then, kind of going along with the estate planning, and now the big question, uh, kind of leading back to the intro, is you both met at law school, is that correct? We did. So kind of share with, with uh, our listeners, uh, seldom do I get an opportunity to kind of interview a couple in business together, let alone met in law school and then going to practice together. So obviously kind of address or ask some of the elephant in the room question is, what's your secret? How did you make it work? <laughs> well, and the funnier thing is um, we literally share an office and our desks face each other. So when I look at from my computer, his face is there. <laughs> like it's directly in front of me. Um Honestly, I think we have a really good work-home balance. So when we're at work, we're at work. We're both attorneys. We work hard. When we're at home, we're parents and we're mom and dad. And, you know, so it's different. Now, that's not to say our children didn't grow up um, playing prosecutor. I'm not kidding. I mean, things like that. You know, all their friends, you know, knew we were attorneys and they, they played attorney. And I've got two that are probably going to be attorneys. But so it does spill over a little bit, but... Yeah, we were one of those extremely annoying law school couples. Um, we met Steve's first, not even before your first day, actually. Yeah, it was a plea. It was a party, party. that the Women's Law Association put on for the new students. We met at that party. Awesome. Yeah, so we met at that party. And, I mean, we've been together ever since. And a lot. And then when we opened the firm in 04, we'd been married... Uh, four years? Four years. I can't remember our anniversary. It's terrible. Uh, we've been married for four years yeah, at yeah, For me, I, I studied for the bar exam, and literally two weeks later, we're getting married. So, yeah. Oh, that's not stressful at all. No. Oh, well, not for him. I was the one putting together the wedding. I oh. Mean, <laughs> I mean, he was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it's, it's worked really well for us because we can, if we do have an issue, we can talk about it at home, you know, away from all the stress of work. And, mm. and we do. We do. Um, when we walk our dogs. We actually hash out so many issues at work. It's, it's great. Actually. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask, like, for some couples, they find ways to kind of draw a barrier or wall. Like, once we get home, everything is, is left at the door, or maybe they have some kind of time allocated to kind of talk about the business. That's, what, what's that's unrealistic? Yeah, I, I just don't think you can do it. At least we've never been able to do it. But I mean, we don't just talk about business, and um, you know, when we are home, a lot of it is home mm-hmm. because you know we have the kids to focus on and three demanding dogs. And <laughs> so we just have a lot going on in our home life as well. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it is we also don't, you know, we work as a team. So it's more of a long, along the line, there isn't a one person making all the decisions. So that takes, I think a lot of the stress out whenever there's an important thing to be decided. If both parties have their input and it's both respected, then it leaves less conflict. Mm-hmm. We don't have very much conflict, actually. Mm-hmm. It, we're 
I don't know if we're lucky or if we're just, we just talk about everything. So it, there's no conflict to be had. So it works out really well. So maybe you should write a book about attorney couples being <laughs> attorney able couples. to uh, <laughs> talk everything out or maybe that's your secret talking about everything out during your dog walk. Yeah, well, seriously, we talk everything out. The dog walks do help. I mm. mean, it's really, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing kind of a bit of your insights. What's the best way for our audience to reach out to you, whether it's for real estate itself, estate planning, or maybe, you know, a book deal uh, <laughs> on attorney couples? Um, well, um, they can always email us. Um, so we, so one thing, we are strictly word of mouth. So we do not have a website. Mm. We, we don't do that. That's not, we don't advertise. Um, we are very much a referral based. And so, you know, anybody who is listening to this, if you would like to reach out to me, you can email me. My email is E Lewis, E L E W I S at Lewis hyphen Patterson. And that's P A T T E R S O N dot com. Or you can call our office at 678 Best way to get through is to through Elizabeth. <laughs> so so she, she's really the boss. <laughs> okay, great. Well, well, thank you. Well, thank you. All right. Our next guest, we have Sonia Gunter with Senior 911. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Great. Well, kind of share us with your story. What got you started with uh, your company, Senior 911, and how did the name came about? Well, to first share what Senior 911 is, it's a private duty home care agency we care for seniors in the home, of course, and um, our target client is going to be the dementia client just because that is a passion of mine, being a nurse for 19 years and serving in the senior space most of those 19 years and now having a personal relationship with uh, Alzheimer's and dementia has just made it just a, a passion of mine. So uh, we Started Senior 911 actually from when I was doing sales, my last position. I've done sales, I've done executive leadership, I've done the nursing. Um, and so my last position before I retired myself, so to speak, mm-hmm. was a sales position in a memory care community. And the families would come to me in crisis. It was at that moment that, you know, they've tried to keep mom and dad at home or husband, wife, whatever the relationship. It had got beyond what they could do and how they could care. And they just did not know how to navigate the waters. They did not know how to even start where to start. And so it was a crisis type feeling. So that's how senior 911 became, um, I, I picked that name and, and so our tagline is, uh, your emergency is our urgency. How may we assist? Mm-hmm. So what was kind of the, you mentioned you kind of took yourself out of it, I guess it sounds like a corporate setting and then running your own business. Was it like one major event that made you go, Hey, I, this is something I really need to do. Or it was kind of a slow burn in the back of your head and you finally got the hint. And, all right. All right. I got the hint. I, sure. I should go ahead. Sure. Well, you know, it was a slow burn. I had always been propositioned by others to start my own business because I naturally, you know, sat in leadership type roles. And so I was always um, in that position where I was running a business, but under somebody else's name. And so I was the employee and I got to an age where I said, you know what, quite simply, I don't want to have to ask for PTO. I don't want to have to, you know, call out if I don't feel like, you know, going to work. I need a mental health day. I said, let me take and marry all of my experience and my leadership abilities and now work for myself. And I'm loving every minute of it. And I kind of share with a little bit of insight. Like, What does it look like running a care business? (laughs) 
Good question. Um, and quite honestly, I almost didn't start because the one thing about private duty home care is you're accountable for other people. And so your performance, your business is as successful as the people that you employ. When people don't show up for work, when people don't, you know, we've had somebody just to, you know, no call, no show and couldn't get a hold of them again, but then called for a reference like two days later, another job called for a reference check. The, the, yeah, the foolishness that we encounter it, um, it is very challenging, you know, to, to be in that role, but there's the other side of it, the upside, which I get to empower staff. I get to mentor staff. I'm big on creating leaders in the market, in the industry, because there's such a need for leadership in healthcare in general, and then just to take care of the client as well. So with all those different, you know, perks, it, it, it works itself out. Well, you mentioned it being a slow burn. You mentioned you almost not necessarily kind of taking that leap. What was that one thing that kind of pushed you over the edge and, yep, I'm, I'm going to do it? When I was laying in bed one morning and did not want to go to work, and I said to myself, it wasn't because I didn't like the work. It was being up under someone else's corporate structure I like to be the one to take, again, my experience and create the climate and the culture that I felt like would work best in the industry. And so I can only do that at my own hands. And then you mentioned a little bit about giving the tools and and promoting growth and leadership uh, in your staff. Kind of share with us uh, to the audience, like, what does that look like? If we were working for you, what what is a typical, I know this Clearly not always a typical day, but what Never. might an average day <laughs> look Never like? Um, so our staff, because they're in the field, it's hard to be one, you know, close with them, close knit and have that family feel because you don't see your staff. Your staff are literally, they come in, we onboard them, we orient, you know, do orientation and then they're out seeing clients. And so there's not a lot of hands on with them. So just trying to create, whether it's um, text messages to them, how are you creating avenues and resources, letting them know, you know, we, we, you want to buy a house? Great. We'll create that home buying workshop for you to come in and learn how to buy a home. You want a credit repair? We'll create that workshop. We create Uh, Again, we bring resources to our staff so that we can try to support them as much as possible, bring them in our face a little bit more often. And then, of course, we go out in the field and do a lot of supervisory visits. It's required by state. And then we do our own anyway, just to make sure they understand they're supported. So we provide also dementia certification. So that's one thing that we pride ourselves on with the clients that we have. We don't just say we're dementia experts. We make sure we invest in all of our staff to become dementia certified so that they know how to properly care for the dementia client. So now we kind of know a little bit about how you run your business, why you do it, and and the amount of resources you really invest in your people. So those that are listening and getting to that tough conversation with their aging parents, how do do you recommend someone that's listening? All right, how do I bring someone like yourself into my parents' life? Because especially in conversations, like asking them to give up the keys. I mean, that's, that's like a third rail. Yes. It, it, first of all, a challenge. And I'm actually in the challenge. I own my own business. I've been doing it, like we said, for almost 20 years, just being in the space. And now I have my father who has Alzheimer's and we're trying to take his keys. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's, it's difficult. So I tell anyone, remove yourself 
from the equation. And here I am, the professional, but I'm not the one to have the conversation with my father. Mm -hmm. I have to bring in somebody else, a different face, a different voice, because I'm too close to it. Mm -hmm. And because of personal relationships, good, bad, or otherwise, there's always a feeling of maybe something underlying or, you know, you just want to take my money, you know, those types of conversations that come up. You put the dementia diagnosis on someone that's a it's it's a tough it's a tough time for everybody to accept that so it almost sounds like the prescription is rather than the child engaging that tough conversation bringing a third party in absolutely absolutely you've got to have an advocate um even with senior 911 being a private duty home care agency we are also we call ourselves the one-stop senior resource so we'll go in and have that conversation i'll go in and have that conversation we try to, again, help navigate families and caregivers through the process because it is, it's, it's, it's hard to do. And we really want the caregiver, whether it's a the son, daughter, mother, father, whoever it is, to be able to remain in that role as much as possible because being a caregiver is a whole different role and most are not prepared to take on that role. So you kind of addressed uh, another point. I was actually a good segue to my next question is some of the kids, they feel, or sometimes in certain family dynamics, uh, the expectation is on the child to provide care. Um, how then do you kind of help bridge that conversation between you? Because now you're, you're looking at two potential clients to convince. One is the aging parent mm-hmm. and the other is the child who might feel obligated mm-hmm. to provide the care, but they just simply don't have the training or the skill sets. Absolutely. How do you engage that conversation? So the conversation needs to start before the care has to happen. And that's where we miss it. Uh, we want to have the conversation again at the crisis point when now we have to talk, we have to figure it out and there's no time to come up with a nice plan. That's practical. The conversation needs to happen when mom and dad are still in a sense of, um, a mental mental cognition that they can they can help with their own planning. What does that look like? What are the expectations? And then we can start training and prepare them for a caregiving role if that's what's going to happen in you know five, ten, fifteen years. It's so hard to think that far. You know, you have what's called long term care insurance that pays for services. I tell families all the time: by eighty five, you can no longer get it. At forty five, we should be having that conversation and buying into it. But we don't think that far as a people. We're such a right now in the moment until it becomes again a crisis. So that conversation really needs to happen before the the services or the care has to happen. Well, you're certainly preaching to the choir here. Not that I'm biased at all. <laughs> you mentioned long-term care planning or insurance. So for our audience that are listening and, and knowing a little bit more about uh, the way you run your practice and providing care sure. uh, for your clients, how can they best uh, reach out to you to at least begin that conversation? So I can be reached. I do have a website. It's www.senior911.org. O-R-G. My email is info at senior911.org and my phone number 470-330-3599, which is the business office line. All right. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. All right. Now for our next guest up, we have Tara Winslow with Tara Winslow Real Estate Professionals. Tara, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So kind of share us with a little story of how did you get into real estate? Well, I'm a recovering corporate America executive where I spent 12 years selling technology. And during those 12 years, I just wasn't passionate about it, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wake up in the morning and go do my job. 
you know, this job. So I decided to make a change and follow what I was passionate about, which is residential real estate. And that was almost 11 years ago now. Kind of a theme here of waking up and going, yeah, I don't want to go to work today. So kind of share with what, out of all the avenues, what is it about real estate that attracted you? I think it was, I'm, I'm a big thinker, you know, I think strategy, how can I help others? Let's look at what's the best option for this family. And it's not so cookie cutter like corporate America it, or what I was doing, you know, does someone fit into this technology solution or this one? And it just, it, it just wasn't what drove me, even though I woke up every day and I made myself, you know, um, be successful at it. So I love just the opportunity to help different families um, meet their goals and they're all different goals. Well, as you were kind of getting started and we kind of turned back hands of time a little bit, what was the most memorable client as you were starting out and you realized, yeah, I, I, I belong here. Wow. The most memorable. I have so many memorable clients. I think one, one that stands out is a senior client of mine and her husband was deceased. Her children hired me. I was their realtor for several houses and they were like, can you please help my mom? And it took about two years to get her to go ahead and move forward with what she needed to do. The situation was, is she had $40,000 in debt. She was running up her credit cards. Um, She was a senior, so she was a little bit older. It was harder to maintain her house. And she wanted to have some money for her grandkids. And I saw, I mean, the vision I saw for her, I was like, we can fix all that. We can fix all that and make it better for you. And it took two years to, to get her to move on it. So we closed on her house. She got a, a large net proceeds. She was able to buy her new house in cash. And she had savings for her grandchildren. In that moment, um, for me, it was a very emotional moment. I remember the closing table. Her children, her son was there. And everyone just felt this this relief. And I felt like I just got her on the right path and took off all that stress and pressure and just, you know, not having the world on her shoulders. So that is one of the most memorable. I've had many like snakes in the house and things like that, but nothing tops. Not in any of my listings, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, thank you for sharing. I mean, that definitely at least kind of Shatters the whole stereotype. Oh, realtors, they just walk around with keys and open doors. But no, you take a look at a big picture. You invest two years of time to really help this family. Yeah, it, it, you know, two years is definitely much long. I mean, that was a um, unusual amount of time, okay? Mm-hmm. It doesn't typically work like that. And I do more, a lot more than put a sign in someone's yard. And it's really about, for me, the relationship with, with my clients and meeting their goals. And we have to have that conversation and talk about it. And everybody has goals. And some of them, and some people you really have to clarify and they, they go through this process of clarity. And I'm, I'm part of that, helping them ask questions, just kind of like what you're doing with us now, you know, asking questions and getting deeper. And it's so much of a bigger process than people realize when they think they can just jump into real estate and go sell a house. So, so what you're telling me is that I shouldn't just like go on like Google or Redfin or Zillow or whatever and just type in like, oh, I want this price range and, and bedrooms and then magic happens. You're telling me that it doesn't work like that? 
Hey, you can go on Zillow if you want. I know they had some trouble last year where they were selling mm. off thousands of properties, but um, a, a real estate professional, a strategic professional is someone someone should speak to. Mm-hmm. Well, you gave us a little quick glimpse of, of the additional value. Share with us a little bit more of how does it look like if someone were just coming to you for the first time? What does that process look like? How? What is it the big questions or things you take a look at and asking us to understand what is it uh, that we're specifically looking for beyond the, oh, I'm just looking at X area for bedrooms and, and bathrooms? Yeah, well, part of what I do for a living is I help my clients build their wealth through residential real estate. And, and my tagline is who you hire matters. So you can hire someone who helps you build your wealth in your portfolio, or you can hire someone who may ask you about how many bedrooms and baths you want. It's a different conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Most of my, my business is referral based. And my first step in the process with anyone, buyer, seller, or investor is to sit, sit down for a consultation. It's typically 45 minutes. We have a conversation. They tell me things about what they're looking to do. And then I ask more detailed questions to really gain knowledge. And then they'll start to think things differently and at a higher level for their life, because we are dreaming to make this possible. Mm-hmm. So it's just taking them to a, opening the door for them to think about other possibilities in their life and where they're living and, and where they live is, you know, promotes a feeling of well being or not. <laughs> and we got to figure, you know, we got to figure out what that is and what that looks like if that's not what they're feeling or what's important to them. So those are might not have yet taken that first home buying journey and they're just kind of there in the headlights and they might not have worked with, with a real estate professional before. What is something that they should take into account when interviewing for one and some questions that they should ask the realtor or should be expecting to be asked of them? I think that's a really interesting question. Um, many people who come to me aren't interviewing others. And if one was interviewing others, like I do when I interview any professional that I hire, um, you know, I'd want to, I, w- I would want them to ask me questions, right? Tell me about what you do. How can you help me? What is my benefit? What will I be, how will I be feeling when this process is done? If it's through, you know, getting through, um, you know, making changes in your will or hiring, hiring your CPA, what are you going to do for me? And that's what I feel like I want someone who's a new client to know I'm going to do that for them. So that's, those are the questions I would be looking for, as well as how do you feel when you're in their presence? Do you feel like they're capable? Are you confident in their abilities? They're going to be representing you, right? Are they going to be able to net me the most money if I'm a seller or help me win the multiple offer from a buyer? If I'm an investor, is this a good investment? What are the rental rates? You know, it's just being thorough. And if you feel like someone's being thorough and you're confident, then make the decision and hire them. Well, glad that you kind of brought up the whole multiple um, offers to one seller. Now, we know the market has changed a little bit, but that's still kind of going on, uh, just not as insane, but it's still there. Uh, how would you kind of guide the clients kind of going through this still, I guess, unprecedented <laughs> market condition? Yeah, unprecedented is the the correct word. And I really appreciate what you said, because I think it's very accurate. It's hyper-local. Um, 
what's going on in the market. So when you're when one is looking at the news, if you watch the news, it's always a national view. And Atlanta is typically ahead of the national, you know, the national statistics. So keep that in mind. Um, the second thing is with what's going on in Atlanta, you could be in one market, i.e. Roswell. Roswell is so hot. I am still fighting for multiple offers. Okay. I'm getting multiple offers all day on listings in Roswell that look nice. And the seller's taking the time to prep their house. You still need to do that. And then I may go into another area and it's hot, but maybe the neighborhood is cooled a little bit and I might be able to get closing costs for my buyer. So that's another question to to ask who you're going to hire. How do you handle different neighborhoods? How are you going to handle my offer? How are you going to handle multiple offers when I hire you to sell my house? I mean, these are really important questions. If you're getting multiple offers and someone doesn't know how to, to do that, you, the seller, you're not going to net the most money. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on. That is such a great question. Yeah. Well, then kind of give maybe, I know the list could be like a running uh, toilet roll where the cat <laughs> runs away with it, but maybe just give like one or two uh, advice or insights as to how can a buyer make themselves a bit more competitive as opposed to obviously being, oh, I got, I got the highest money offer. You mean give you some of my personal strategies that I use to win my offers? Oh, well, okay, just one. <laughs> Tell the yes. world, all your podcast <laughs> listeners. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, you are presenting your client. So who that realtor is, you're presenting that your client to them and why they are the best candidate. Okay, it's not very different from dating. You want your candidate to look the best. And that means, you know, they're already pre-qualified and they're really already through the underwriting process. That would be one of my, that's one of my conversation pieces with buyers. Are you through the underwriting process? No, I don't even know what that means. Okay, well this, now we now I know where we need to, need to start in the process. So we get them through the underwriting process and I put zero days under one of the contingencies. That means that tells the seller, hey, listen, my buyer is serious, they're committed and they're qualified. So make my buyer look as great of a candidate and I win the majority of my multiple offers. That's one of my my strategies and that's all I'm going to give away today. All right. Well, thank you. So how else can our listeners find you and learn more and get guidance uh, to be able to win those offers? Absolutely. I am on all social media platforms under Winslow Real Estate Professionals or Tara Winslow. So I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. You can reach me at any of those. You can um, send me an email at Tara, T-A-R-A dot Winslow, W-I-N-S-L-O-W at K-W.com. And you can call my office at 404-419-3500. Ask to speak to me. Lots of ways. I'm available for a complimentary uh, consultation. And let's see about making something really possible happen in your life. I mean, we can get it done by the end of 2022, too. Well, thank you, Tara. Thank you. Our next guest, the dessert and the sweetness, uh, we have Anne Mullinex from Doodle Pies. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. Can I share with us uh, yours and Eric's journey of how Doodle Pies came to be? Okay. I want to first start by letting everybody know that I cooked bad for nine years in our marriage. And uh, at that nine-year mark, I think Eric realized he had waited long enough. And I wasn't going to start cooking good meals. But his passion, Eric's passion is with food. 
And that's really what started to present itself when he just started to cook the family meals. So just kind of know that that's kind of the backstory. And I've been a mom. So I have a, a, my son is 22. My daughter, Ruby is just turned 13. And so I was holding the house down while Eric did the corporate work. Uh, engineer, he's a software engineer, turned to be a software engineer manager at different defense companies, Northrop for the longest. And um, it was kind of cool because when I first met him, one of the conversations was, I find that, you know, his priority in life is having a work-life balance. I was coming from a relationship where there was no work-life balance. So that intrigued me. He was uh, highly successful, but still very focused on balancing his personal life and his, 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 you know, his life in business. So what ended up happening is when he took this management position, the work-life balance became completely off. And I view this now that we're where we're at, that the frustration of the loss of balance led for the courage to take the leap. So I guess it wasn't this past fall, but the fall before God had already started preparing my heart that change was going to come to the family. Did not know, didn't know what that was going to be. Um, but I was on board. I, I actually used to tell God, no, and Eric, no, and everybody in my life, no. And so I personally had a shift within myself and I just started to say yes. So March of last year, we're leaving church and Eric gets this idea. And it, the idea is what Doodle Pies is, which is where people get to come in. They get to create their own flavors with their personal sweet pie. And the conversation was like this. What if, you know, what if we start a business and it's a pie shop, which a pie shop, you know, it wasn't even that Eric was a uh, big into baking, but he loved food. He loved flavors, always experimenting. And, um, I had enough peace and it was like, once he started to just kind of push out the ideas of, I'll just figure out how to cook this pie fast. Okay. That's great. As an engineer, engineers are problem solvers all day long. They don't see it as a stop. Like I would, I would be like, I, you know, I know a microwave. And so he figured it out and it did take a little bit of time. Um, so I just, my main thing is I kept saying yes to these different ideas and uh, so, but he quit, he quit corporate America in May of last year. And I felt like I was skydiving with God. I'm like, I'm landing. Where, where are we going to go? <laughs> you know? And, um, but, but it was cool because the whole way God sent me encouragement to just keep pushing forward, you know, getting the trademark, putting out, you know, getting the name doodle pies guys, I had already purchased $16,000 worth of signs and I didn't even have the trademark yet. But I just knew I had to just keep going forward. So um, here we are, quit in May. We signed a lease in October, and we opened up uh, the end of April of this year. So kind of show that that, that whole journey. Uh, so he's had enough because no family work-life balance. And then you got the hint as God is kind of kept knocking on, on your back. And he's all right, I, I get the hint. I got it. <laughs> And, mm -hmm. and you mentioned kind of leaving that church and saying, yeah, let's let's run with this business. Um, was there any other ideas on the table? Or was it just this one in it and you guys took it and ran? Yeah, when that idea came, I knew we had to do it. Mm -hmm. I knew that we had to do it. 
And uh, it looked crazy on the outside. I mean, you know, you have, uh, you know, like my dad, you know, looking at this situation and he's thinking, okay, uh, what is going to happen to my daughter and the family? Uh, Eric just quit his corporate job, you know? Um, But it was just deep within me that I knew this was, this was the right path. This was the change um, that was coming to the family. Mm -hmm. And it has, I mean, my son has witnessed what it is to be an entrepreneur. My daughter is seeing hard work coming from both her parents working together. Um, It's really been a beautiful transition of perspective for each one of us in the family, but I think probably different things, right? What I've learned and gained is different than what Eric, different than Isaiah and even Ruby, but we're definitely growing as individuals. So kind of share with us then Doodle Pies, a journey. So we know how Doodle Pies came to be. When we walk into the store, take us, what does it look like? What is that experience? Okay, well, you're going to probably see my face because I'm there all the time. And I'm going to welcome you in. I'm going to say, hey, welcome to Doodle Pies. Have you been in before? And most people know they haven't been in before. And so it's my job to explain to you quickly what we do here. So, you know, I got this big, beautiful uh, pie case in front of me. It's a diamond ring of the whole store. I'm like, well, we have our cold pies. We have our uh, savory chicken pot pie. Everything we do here is personal size. So we don't do any large pies. They're all small, up 5.7 ounces for the cold pies. And then the the main attraction is the pies you get to doodle or create. So behind me, I have a menu and I just point to the to the customer, hey, this is what you can select from. We have cherry, apple, peach, strawberry, blueberry, raspberry, blackberry. You can do multi-fill. You could put different toppings in. So say you want to do a blueberry with cream cheese and granola. I assemble it right in front of you and then I can cook it fast. So four to six minutes later, you have your own personal pie, whether it be the sweet pie or the chicken pot pie or even the quiche. So if you're like kind of conscious with your carbs, I could give it to you without any crust. You could just have, you know, the egg and the different toppings. But um, and then once I once it's explained, then people get it. But a lot of people come in thinking and expecting, where's the full size pie? And I, and I go, oh, wait, no, let me show you my eight by eight pastry box. See, four of these mini pies fit in here. And for your, you know, if you want to go somewhere, you don't got to take, which is an apple pie. You could take four different pies, you know, Uh, you could even, you know, do too cold, too hot, but it has been an interesting journey just of explaining it to people because it is a new concept. You know, we're not a franchise. Everybody thinks we are. And I credit my, uh, my architect, Bridget with Brink Designs, guys, I told her she could be a, a counselor herself because she's working with a husband and a wife. And I'm like, I love it. Eric's like, I hate it. Eric says, I love it. I'm like, I hate it. But then she put it together to where it presents both of our hearts. Mm. So it sounds like it, not only does it, it should be a franchise, maybe that'll be you know, coming soon. Um, from, from the way you describe it, it's sometimes when you, I, I initially heard about the idea that it was just one large pie, but as you're talking about, well, no, you can fit like four pies in here because obviously in, in one household, if, you, if anyone's got like kids or what have you, not everyone's got the same taste. That's but right. you kind of present a solution, just, well, everybody gets a little something as opposed to just one large pie and you're not really able to please everybody. That That is true. That is true. And we even have a brownie pie. So we make the brownies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, kids love the brownies. They love, it's amazing what a kid can eat. It's, it's the most entertaining thing. I'm like, you're going to eat all that. They're like, yes, I am. And they do. They'll, they'll eat it with, and then the next thing they'll ask me is, can I have a cup of water? <laughs> <laughs> so what will be your, your, at the moment, like the most, um, famous or, 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 uh, most highly demanded pie? That brownie pie is highly demanded. Um, people love brownies and I guess they love brownie and pie. Oh. Um, I will say that the chicken pot pie, I, I think it's actually going to take our number one. It's gone over really well. Um, people can discern it guys. They can discern what they're eating. I mean, I'm not even a foodie, but, um, like Eric is, but you know, because we're making it there, like we're making the gravy, right? The dough is made there every day, fresh people discern it. They know what they're eating. It, Cause it, it, it's super homemade and then you're getting it cooked and you're getting it hot. Um, so that's, that's even just been neat to see the discernment of the palates of the customers that are coming in, you know, and, and it's for me, what's the most rewarding. I love that. I have a great product hands down. Great. But that makes it so that I could just talk to the people because, you know, I can't cook. So it's foolproof. It had to be made so that this could be presented. There's that four to six minute cook time. And if I'm not busy, then I get to say, hey, how's your day going? And the relationships that I've been able to build over pie, it is, it is the purpose behind Doodle Pies is the people. I learned that from the very beginning. Um, when you work this hard, when you have your own business, as all of us are doing, and the work-life balance at times still seems a little off. Um, it's the purpose that fuels Eric and I, and it's the people. So it's like, we have the customers. Um, I, you know, it's easy for me to give away a pie. I mean, I'm glad Eric's the number guy, because if someone's having a, a, a bad day, cause I get to know my customers, I say, just take the pie. Just I hope your day gets better, you know? And it's those relationships, even with the young people that I have there, I love working with high schoolers and I'm very passionate about this generation because of my uh, exposure of these. I mean, they're, they're the generation that we don't have anything to worry about based on my experience with these young people. They're go-getters, they're hard workers, they're, they're trainable. They have heart, they have ambition. And I'm like, I mean, I'm learning just by being around their presence, their tenacity, their energy. They don't know all of them what they want to do in life. But just like I've seen how passion has fueled Eric and I, I tell them, do your passion. You know, and just listening to everybody here today, you, you can't work as hard as you're doing it without the passion. And that is, I think that's been my biggest personal growth takeaway is, man, stay in the lane of the passion that's been put there by God. Because that's so rewarding. Wow, thank you. You, you kind of took all the, the questions uh, out of my mouth here. You, 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 you can almost run the show. <laughs> so for, for someone that's kind of like buying into this, this love and, and really um, following their passion and taking that leap and then really understanding and building that relationship, believe it or not, through pie, how can he best find you and get a piece of your pie? All right, so... The easiest thing is just to remember doodlepies.net. I'm not a .com. I'm a .net. So if you go there, www.doodlepies.net, 
Everything is there. There's a contact form at the bottom. It goes to me. Phone number's there. I'm probably going to be the one answering. All my social media's right there. It's Doodle Pies. Instagram, Doodle Pies Roswell. But just just remember, doodlepies.net. Well, thank you, Ann. Thank you. All right. So as you all kind of hear it, uh, kind of the theme here is simply either following your passions, uh, especially when you've kind of got that knock on your shoulder maybe once, twice, or maybe couple hundred times and yeah maybe I, I should take this hint uh to potentially finding a path that you're absolutely passionate about where you don't exactly have to work for someone else so kind of the universal question i would like to kind of bring our guests uh later on is this question for those who are kind of listening in and they are sitting on the fence and they're just not sure and they're also been sitting in the seat that you've been in and they're just scared because I've got family, I've got mortgage, I've got maybe a marriage coming up <laughs> in two weeks. Can I really afford making this leap? How, what kind of advice uh, would you give them uh, to make that leap either a little easier or simply just to do it? So if you can provide that advice uh, to our listeners, uh, I'll bring everyone back in a little bit. But of course, now is kind of the legalese uh, portion of the show. You can kind of fast forward if you want. <laughs> but uh, this show is sponsored and brought to you uh, by yours truly, Anthony Chen with Lighthouse Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA member FINRA SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names products or services referenced here are independent of RAA. Our main office address is at 575 Broad Hollow Road at Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at uh, 631-465-9090. My extension here is 5075 or best through email, uh, which is just my phone name, Anthony Chen, C-H-E-N at L-F-N- LLC.com. Now to kind of bring our guests back, uh, the question again is uh, advice that you would give to our listeners. Uh, everyone's kind of shared their journey, uh, some of the hints that they've gotten on their shoulder, uh, maybe one or many times over as to when they should make that leap to open up their own practice, whether it's they've got kids uh, or they just got married <laughs> or going to get married uh, in, in two weeks away. So we'd like to bring back Elizabeth and Steve. He's looking at me. Okay. So um, the one thing I would say is when you're getting ready to make that leap, um, you know, have some faith, have some faith in yourself, because I don't think you would be ready to make that leap without having the, I guess, the business sense or the experience behind it. I mean, honestly, you've got to have something behind it. Um, for us making that leap was the fact, you know, we'd both been practicing law for five years. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I'd been practicing for five. And, um, I had a old attorney tell me that every young attorney is a bar complaint waiting to happen for the first five years because you really don't know anything. So I would say just have some faith in yourself, but also make sure you have some experience, whether it's, you know, some sort of business experience or just life experience behind you. Um, but definitely have, Faith, because you know every failure is just another chance to learn. So you know the experience there is is very important. Thank you, Steve. Well, with Elizabeth, just a little more. She was really starting to become successful, and her, I mean, as you can see, she's more of the um, 
marketer for our firm. So she is really good at making connections with people and, and getting those per- uh, personal relationships. For me, the decision was I was practice. I wasn't having a choice in what I was doing when I was working for other law firms. So for me, I was miserable in, in the work that I was being assigned. So I had did have some experience working on real estate transactions. A lot of times what the big difference for some people in law is, you know, it's conflict management is really what a lot of the areas of the law is other than real estate. We do still have some conflicts because not always do buyers and sellers agree on everything, mm-hmm. but usually everyone has a goal that they're all working together towards. So it makes that conflict resolution better. So for me, it was getting away from, an area where I was miserable to something that I found enjoyable. And so sometimes you got to take a risk, believe like Elizabeth said, believe in yourself that you're going to be successful. And sometimes you can, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you believe in it. Well, thank you. It sounds like almost Elizabeth kind of saved you then. Well, he did join my law firm. (laughs) She hired me. (laughs) I hired him. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right. And Sonia. Um, Well, first to piggyback on, um, what Doodle Pies was sharing before the, the, the break, the faith and um, purpose, right? Figuring out your purpose, your purpose drives your why, it drives it, and then the passion behind it. And then as um, our attorneys were saying as well, the experience and the knowledge. So it's not just walking into something and saying, I want to do this. You need to prepare. I always tell my people, my staff, my family, stay ready. You don't have to get ready. You need to be in a position that when that opportunity comes, that you're well, you're ready to walk into it. When I met my business partner, I went with a business plan, a solid plan, and I prayed that I didn't have the money to start the business. I had the everything else, the experience, the again, the business plan, and I went with my idea, and I said I needed someone. Um, there was a, it was a payroll company, and I said if I give you my book book of business, maybe they would you know, invest in me. That was my thought process on the way to that first meeting. And I had just paid my last bit of money out to the, the, the lady who helped me do the paperwork for the state. And I sat down, we started talking for about 10 minutes and he said, wait a minute, what's the business? And when I told him, I walked away with a check that was twice the amount of what I had just invested my last in. So, and he's been my partner ever since. And I'll tell you, it was the faith to step out but again, being ready and prepared because he wouldn't invest it in me if I didn't have the wherewithal to take the business where it's gone. We have tripled our numbers in the three months we've been opened. Um, every month it's grown 300%. And so be prepared. Understand your passion because your passion drives your why and have faith. Well, thank you. I like that line, uh, stay ready, get ready. I'm going to have to steal that Stay one. ready. You don't have to get ready. You don't have to get ready. Well, That's thank it. you. Same question to you, Tara. I understand this question. The struggle is real. Um, coming from corporate America, going into residential real estate, I, I did sales, so but I was commission plus salary, right? And then you go into your own business and you're 100% commission every day, supporting your family, right? So I get it. The struggle is real. What I would say for me is take action. Take action and whatever that looks like for you, I would think it would be write down a plan. Only 3% of people who meet their goals write down their plan. So write it down and say, you know, I know you're thinking possibly, well, 
where do I start with a plan? Well, just jot down notes, right? Get a legal pad, just jot down notes. What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? Where's your heart taking you? And just go from there. So take action and believe in yourself that you can make it happen. Well, thank you, Tara. And closing us out, Anne. So my, my thought is sometimes you have to be still. The busyness and the noise of the world can drown out what is within you. And be available to be uncomfortable. Because I've had to be really uncomfortable. And I'm getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. So if you just are still, and you know, for me, my mind was the yes. And then I really believe God will weave in the peace that will direct the path. I know that's sort of a more abstract thing, but um, start by being still. Well, thank you. All right, now for kind of the segment uh, called Anthony's financial take. Kind of hard to top <laughs> or follow with everyone's uh, perspective, but in regarding to finances or general financial planning, uh, kind of the stereotype in my field is always looking at the finish line of what we would quote unquote call the end goal or retirement plan or just getting to retirement. Uh, other questions I would kind of uh, challenge, not just for my field or, or and also for our clients uh, and prospects listening in, is when you're doing a financial plan, also include a portion of chasing your particular dream. You don't have to stick it out 30, 35 years in corporate and then uh, by year 12 waking up, what the heck did I just do with my entire life? So when creating a financial plan, sometimes be bold. Present to your consultant or your advisor of, hey, um, if this doesn't work out, I, I want to have some kind of uh, an exit plan for myself. Or uh, stealing a line from Sonia is, uh, well, stay ready. You don't have to always get ready. So if you can have that kind of plan B set aside as part of your financial plan, uh, you'll be much happier living to retirement because at the end of the day, it's not just about dollars and cents. Oh, I'm at 65 at XYZ um, asset amount, but what did I give up? Did I really give up the home and work-life balance that I'm not able to get back? Or uh, am I really like living my passion? So when looking at financial planning, uh, it's a little bit more than dollars and cents. It's being able to pursue and really achieve one's life full purpose. And that's a little bit of my take. Thank you again for listening to Family Business Radio. If you like our show, please subscribe. And that is the show. Thank you.